Hey guys, so over the last four years or so, I've interviewed dozens of local and international entrepreneurs all around, you know, how do they culture success? And one of the interesting byproducts of doing the show over the last sort of four years and 160 episodes or so is that it's created a lexicon of business growth, startup and funding hacks that really anyone can learn from and implement. But you know, the conclusion that I've kind of arrived to is that the single biggest defining factor between entrepreneurs who make it and those who don't is less about the external world of business and actually 80% of it is all really about the internal world. It's about the inner game. You know, entrepreneurs with a strong inner game, they live, breathe, and work according to a set of principles that really define everything that they do. In my upcoming book, Your Inner Game, 12 Principles for High-Impact Entrepreneurs, I share the lessons that I've learned from the entrepreneurs who I hold in high regard, who I hold as my peer group, and who have built incredibly huge and successful businesses that have ultimately left a legacy not only for themselves, but for the communities and customers that they serve. So to tease in the launch of Your Inner Game, 12 Principles for High-Impact Entrepreneurs, I've decided to share on this episode of The Matt Brown Show 12 of the most compelling clips from some of the most interesting and most compelling talents that I can find locally here in Africa. And if you'd like to catch the full episodes of these clips, please do so now on Amazon Prime. Yes, that's right. The Matt Brown Show is now available on demand in the USA and UK markets for Amazon Prime. So without further ado, enjoy this unique episode of The Matt Brown Show. Brett Sinclair is the CEO of Sciatic, one of the largest Google Cloud distributors and partners in the world. In this clip, you're about to hear him share his views about AI and machine learning and why you need to become a data and AI company first in order to remain relevant in the future. You understand the power of your own data and then your differentiator, that constant adaptability is the machine learning algorithm that's going to best work for you. And it's not one. Mm. It might be 10. It might be a 100. Mm. If you're a manufacturer, there's a ton of algorithms and AI that you would initially start with, say, vision AI, mm. because you want to look at sorting faster. You want to look at quality checks. You want to – but it's all at a faster rate. That improves efficiencies. That's part of this world of AI and the algorithm behind uh, machine learning that's going to be yours. That's going to be your differentiator, mm. taking your data, training that algorithm, and that's your differentiator in the market. You could be an accountant. You could be uh, selling stuff. You could be a retailer. You could be a You name it. I can come up with 50 examples of this. The problem is no one's doing it. They're sitting on this trough. Why, though? I mean, it's, that's the next It's question. the unknown. So you only I don't, respond I don't to change. buy that as an excuse, though. I mean, it, so the unknown is quite broad, right? So yeah. unknown is, yeah, I know I've got big data. Yeah, I know I have data. The unknown is... What the fuck do I do with it? How do I do it? How do, how, how, what do I need to put in place? And most people go down a journey and I've seen with so many guys. They're on a two year journey, either dipping your toes in with small consultancies, solving little problems, or you're building big Hadoop stacks that are costing you hundreds of millions of rands over two, three years that are not performing. Those are your two kind of, and that's because people don't know how. So they're making all the mistakes by themselves. And there's so much knowledge and and data and, and communities out there. Um, but again, did people know that? Mm -hmm. You know, the amount of open source um, algorithms 
is in excess of 250,000 algorithms. A year and a half ago, everyone was raving about the fact that they had gone over 7,000 open source algorithms. And in those algorithms are credit checking, all the basics. You take that and you can make it your own. Hmm. But people just just don't know. It's like, um, that sounds to me like the burgeonings of cryptocurrency where there was like Bitcoin in 2008 and then there's literally thousands now. You know what I mean? All pretty useless, but still. <laughs> no one understands what's behind it, right? Well, absolutely. They're all exactly. like, yeah, it's another currency I can invest in. Whoa, did you say invest in yeah. currency? Did you really say that? That it's an unknown. Yeah. Uh-huh. Rather invest in gold and speculate in currency. Yeah. But, um, but I love that because we, we're actually introducing, um, an AI component to what we do. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, you have to. If you're in performance yeah. and lead gen, mm. um, you're the uh, one of the first areas that should be benefiting from it. Yep, exactly. And Acquisition, it's, revenue. And it's, I mean, we, as in like next week. <laughs> so nice. we, so we're, we're going to basically be able to convert anywhere. So in other words, if they instead of having one conversion page, we can actually convert on any number of them in any media sources. It's pretty interesting. So when you say like the format of anywhere, as in mobile, desktop, blah, or you yeah, say mobile, on desktop, platform and platform and content and content. Nice. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. And so where's the AI going to play its role? In integrating itself in all those spaces. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so cool. if we're doing, cause we're, we're story first. Yeah. So landing why. Yeah. And then as a result of doing that awareness and education piece, yeah. then actually being able to generate the lead okay. on IT web. On Tech Central, okay, okay, I see what you on mean. Okay. you know anywhere nice. basically, yeah, yeah. yeah, nice. So it's pretty That's interesting. Very cool. Yeah, it's going to change the game. Just basically. that one algorithm is where yeah. you're going to make all your money. You get that really refined yeah. to get a better success rate and mm. and cost per acquisition. You're yeah. changes That's the, your differentiate, and it changes the business. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. How's your AI guys? Hi guys. <laughs> this whole team of people behind the Just camera, a, by the way. <laughs> Everyone's like, shit, did he say I need to become a machine learning expert? Yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah, yeah. Bonus, bonus dependence. <laughs> it's really easy. Uh, Udemy. <laughs> Nathan Stevenson is the CEO of Forward Lane in New York. And I asked him, what does it take to be successful? And what is the perspective, in his view, that an entrepreneur needs to make it in a developed economy like New York? Well, I have to thank Elon Musk. (laughs) He makes it easier for us South Africans to succeed in America, and he's given us all South African entrepreneurs a good reputation. Uh, Is that a true thing? It is a true thing. Uh, In fact, uh, New Yorkers are very open to South Africans, South Africans are sometimes welcome, sometimes not, uh, but certainly in America we are, so that's really been helpful. But I think it's New Yorkers in general uh, are very receptive and want to help you out to make, connect you with, with people and, and help make things happen for you. Yeah. I think uh, as a South African that's you know, gone and lived in London and in the U.S. and been back to South Africa and then back to the U.S., uh, you know, with each move that you make, you know, you have to be resourceful because you're almost starting from scratch each time. So, um, so really, just being super persistent, uh, tenacious, uh, like White Fang. We all read that book, White Fang, at school. Yeah. That was one tenacious wolf. Uh, <laughs> that's what you're gonna be like. like White Fang, be like White Fang, and uh, <laughs> you know, it's 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 just like continual, relentless hustling, hustling, hustling. Uh-huh. Uh, selling the dream, believing the dream, 
you know, knowing, kind of trusting your instinct, instinct to a certain extent. Yeah. Uh, but it's really hard, and you know, while it, it might seem like we made a lot of progress, you know, when you're when you're in the moment and you're you're there, it, it feels like you haven't really. Mm. So uh, so there's there's always a kind of a realization of where are you? Are you in like a peak or a trough or a valley or yeah. Um, there's always the next level, right? There's always the next level, and you just you just got to keep on climbing, you know? Yeah. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there. I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top, you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up. It's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Brian Altrich is the founder and CEO of Rockamamas, a QSR franchise that is taking on the likes of Burger King and McDonald's. And I asked Brian to share his views around why millennials are leaning towards socialism today instead of a capitalist system. But in talking about that, I mean, there is something that is, I mean, it's a worldwide phenomenon about the, the youth, when I mean the youth, the millennial youth, let's say the 20 to 30 year olds, and they're leaning towards um, socialism. You know, socialism is something that that obviously because I'm 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 a capitalist. I mean, I've, you know, I, I, and I don't come from money. It's not like I'm protecting money that I came from that I was, uh, you know, that I got in a in a will or something. It's like I love the concept of capitalism. It's free market. You know, uh, a thrive or die. I mean, like the, the weak must die in business, and somebody better will come along and provide you a better quality service, and you progress. I mean, capitalism has has taken more people out of poverty than any other form of social construct. And I mean, it's just it's not even a construct. It's just you know, as soon it's as reality. they get, as soon as government gets involved, they screw it up. But there is this 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 idealistic. Uh, understanding of socialism that these youngsters have, and part of that is entitlement, and I think part of it's laziness. Mm-hmm. You know, so so where do you? And it's a worldwide thing. But now I want to ask you something: How much of this is lecturers? Candice Mummer is a local celebrity and influencer, and we chat in this clip about money and how if you don't come from money. When as soon as you land up making money, you wind up for some weird reason buying the dumbest shit. But most people aren't happy. Yeah. They're not, dude. Absolutely. Like, and you know, and it's uh, the, but and to your point, it's like, well, no, no. When I make my first million, I'll, you know, then I'll, yeah, I'll be happy. Yeah. It's like, um, if you if you grew up broke and you make money, you buy the dumbest shit. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> the dumbest shit dumbest. imaginable. Yeah. You know what I mean? A bedazzled spinner. It's like, just fucking ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's. 
Like, what are you doing? But, you know this thing? Like, but I mean, you just need to look at hip-hop videos, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, we are... <laughs> I mean, new money is a disease. You know, it is. And I, look, I don't blame... That's why you got to make new money old. You know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> okay, not that old. But I... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I still want to buy some dumb shit, but uh, <laughs> I mean, like, but you know, the biggest thing is like you look at hip hop culture and it tells you that, okay, like, I mean, I was just listening to it, which is so sad. Um, but he was like, uh, it's Drake successful, right? So he says, I just want to be successful. And he says, I want the money, the money and the cars, the cars and the clothes and the hose, I suppose. Right. And it's like, yeah, all of us are kind of, <laughs> my rapping beat. socks, but, <laughs> but you know, like it's all these things that we taught, especially when you don't come from privilege or you don't come from money. It's kind of like, these are the things that are going to fulfill me. And then you look at all these hip hop artists and you're like, does little Wayne look happy to you? You know, little Wayne barely looks like he showers, let alone happy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just everybody catching bullet holes. <laughs> I'm on a roll today. <laughs> John Nikolakakis is the CEO of Roman's Pizza. John grew Roman's Pizza into a billion rand pizza chain. What's interesting about John is that he inherited the business from his father. And so I asked him whether he had any reservations when he took over as CEO. If when you cast your mind back, like were you like why was pizza your thing? Was it because dad was you know had this rad brand Roman's Pizza? Like were you on the fence about it? Did you ever doubt like uh, you know taking it on at all? Like that initial step, walk us through that. So I've always been fairly entrepreneurial from a young age. Um, my father's always been in restaurants and or food, so I grew up in the restaurant business from helping out in the restaurants, washing dishes, to working as a waiter, to working as a manager in high school when my first father first started with the Romans Pizza brand. Um, but I decided there's no way I want to do this. I want to go into finance. So I went, I studied, got a piece of paper, and uh, joined a German bank in Rosebank as a currency trader, Forex trader. German bank? Uh, Commerzbank, yeah. Okay. Based, based in Johannesburg and Rosebank as a currency trader where I traded Forex, which was very exciting. It really was. Back, what year was um, this? This was 2001. Okay. And everything was going great. I had my life planned out. I'm going to join this international bank for a year and get transferred to Europe with New York, party with the traders, make $10 million bonuses, and then 9-11 happened. Ugh. So all the banks started retrenching, yada, yada, yada. Um, my father, at the same time, we were previously named Little Caesars. And oh, was that you? That was us. No way, dude. I remember that. That's and a flash in the past. Yeah, Caesars Palace had opened the casino, and they decided to sue us for infringement of IP, huh. um, combined with Little Caesars America at that time. And... My father said, we got to rebrand. We spoke to the best guys in the industry, and they said, five euros, you could win. If you lose, the American's legal fees will bankrupt you. So at the same time, he said he was thinking of selling the business after the rebranding, and what was I thinking of doing with my life? At which point, I said, I'll come join you. I'm out of banking. I understand this business. I've grown up in it, and let's see where we can go. Jonathan Shapiro, a.k.a. Zapiro, is a political cartoonist of some fame here in South Africa and around the world. 
Zapira has an incredibly hilarious way of translating the sometimes unbelievably ridiculous political situations of South Africa into cartoons that really capture the attention of South Africans. I asked Zapira to explain a little bit about his creative process and his inspiration behind his work. I was just about to ask you, like a lot of this must be on your own, yeah. which is interesting, right? So yeah. you don't use groupthink or you don't use groups yeah. to, I mean, which I find, I have worked in groups I know you do, before. but on the yeah. whole, yeah. it's mainly you. Yeah. Like what, what place do you go to creatively? Like, is there a place that you, like, do you, do you go to a quiet room? Do you, where do you get your like inspiration mm. from? Well, you know, there's, 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 there's two kinds of things. The one, the one is content is, is, and the other is how is vehicle or metaphor or like like just that weird stuff that you don't know and you don't know how that two are going to link so I just I do that thing of absorb 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 sometimes I have I have the I have two radio stations on believe it or not I don't know how I do that but I actually do I sometimes have one in my ear and one that's on and I think ah that's going in an interesting direction and I'll, then I'll listen to that one and I might have the TV on and I've got, I'm surfing the net and I've got newspapers and I'm like, somebody phones me. I mean, so it's like, my head is like weird. I've got, it's like balls of cotton wool, but I'm trying to absorb the stuff, absorb, 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 absorb. And then it's like, I actually write down, if you, if I had my, my book, my, my so my way of working, and this is where if I talk to cartooning students, I, I've got these, I just have a cheap book because you don't want to be, you don't want to have something that is, that makes you feel self-conscious. So it's really cheap. I just whack a whole bunch of A4 photostat pages together. That's my books. I've got about 70 of them. Um, you know, like that thick. So they are going back to 94. And, um, and, and what I do is I write down the subjects that interest me. Really. It's as, it's as, as, as programmatic as that. I write down the subjects and I write down my attitude towards those subjects. I actually write that down because the process of writing it down helps me to think. And then I suddenly like think, hey, wait a minute, that one connects with that one. I didn't realize that. And I start making these little arrows in a different color. And then I start thinking, wait, wait, if that's something that's very wordy, am I going to say it through a, try and say it through a comic strip because it needs discursive stuff? If it's very, if it somehow feels like it could be communicated in a big graphic, it's maybe a one panel thing or two panels like, Something and then a surprise. But all of it is about surprise. So how do you tell the story and how do you... All jokes are about surprise. Mm-hmm. All cartoons are about surprise. Not all cartoons are funny, but they all have the twist. So And all adverts are, tend to be... I mean, no, good adverts tend to be like that as well. I'm yeah. sure you know. But they, they you, you get something and then it's the twist that does it. You expect it to end one way and it's the twist. So how to get to that twist in a way that it, you haven't telegraphed the joke, you haven't telegraphed the thing, you, you really are genuinely surprised. That's where the art comes in. That's where I try and work. So I'm not going to telegraph it, even if it's in one panel. I'm still going to somehow surprise you. Mike Stopforth is the founder and CEO of Cerebra, Africa's leading social media communications agency. I asked Mike to share his advice to startups. What advice would I give to a startup around this is, is 
What do you know something about? Okay. And what do people know a lot of? All right. And then how do you establish a tension between solving that one problem and meeting the client where they're at? And that's a difficult thing to do because you constantly vie between the two, right? Um, uh, many startups or entrepreneurs listening will know that, that it's really tough to say no to work, uh, especially at the beginning part of, of, uh, you know, your genesis as a business. But you'll know just how important it is to learn to say no to work and, and even work that sounds easy and, and really profitable. Um, the, the challenge of sticking to the things that you know best and do well is one worth engaging, I think. Um, unless of course you want to be all things to all people all the time, mm. in which case just do that very well. But I, that's not my experience. Mm. That hasn't been something I was ever very good at. Nick Argerios is the founder and CEO of Gotbots. The interesting story around Gotbots is that Nick actually closed his agency in Jersey for three months, costing millions of rands in order to build this AI bot platform. I asked Nick to share his views around what it really takes to make it in the AI and technology space. Number one is um, did all the calculations and said to myself, great, we can close for six weeks. But what I didn't calculate was the time it would take in Josie to get back up and running from stopping all the work, basically. Okay, so that was a miscalculation. So to ramp the business back up to where it was. The second miscalculation was what it would actually take to get a new business off the ground. And we were t- chatting about this earlier. So You walk into things and go, cool, I've been successful in two other businesses. I'm going into my new venture. People are going to react well to this. Do you swear on this show? People don't give a shit, okay, who you are, what you've done before. The new venture has to prove itself and earn the trust of its clients. Mm. And um, I forgot. I had one of my my mentors come through um, that had just met me. I went through the accelerator, thanks to you as well. Um, and one of the oh, mentors, yes, yes, yes. yes. Thank you for that, Pat. <laughs> Matt, um, so pat yourself <laughs> on the back there. Richard Wright is only the 118th human being to survive pituitary cancer of the brain. Having beaten this disease twice, I asked Richard to share his views around where he finds his own strength to overcome such a life-threatening disease. And I mean, that didn't even bug me throughout my triathlon career. Um, and so I was, yeah, I was very, very lucky that I discovered something I was extremely good at. And so here's the thing with the extraordinary. I was, quite a few years ago, an extraordinary age group endurance athlete. So um, in, in Ironman South Africa, first amateur athlete across the line, beating uh, professional athletes, 16th overall, um, half Ironman, same sort of thing. And people often, you know, wow, that's quite remarkable. And I want to say, but not really, because I didn't see it that way, because I was never the best cyclist, I was never the best swimmer, and I was never the best runner. Mm. And I think that's, that's the thing about life, is that you, you, you limit yourself so much by thinking that is, this is the thing you have to be the best at or, or really, really good at. But take those three and then the fourth discipline of Ironman, and I think this is what's led me to this point now as a cancer survivor, is that there's a fourth discipline in Ironman, and that is the mental stuff. Rusty Labuskakhni was wrongly imprisoned for 10 years in Zimbabwe's maximum security prison network. When you're locked up for something you didn't do, how do you respond? That is the question I put to Rusty. 
eventually you have to consider the alternatives and that's kind of what you were forced to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I think you didn't have the choice. Maybe you did. Did you have the, did you feel like you had the choice? Do you feel like, was that choice like that, you will do this thing now or like how what is what was the choice there for you I'll, I'll tell you what comes to mind when you say that when i went into prison i was running five companies of my own um which is the mission and i remember the first day lying on that concrete floor with 33 centimeters of space and i said to myself shit this is not too bad they can do whatever they want the pressure, the release of the pressure that I was carrying was far outweighing than the concrete floor. And I said to myself, that night right there, I will never get into that position again. Tanya Kunze is one of the world's foremost experts on neuroscience-led sales. I asked Tanya to share with us how to identify your strengths and weaknesses as a salesperson and entrepreneur. And that's the word I'd use. So I'd say be aware of areas of development or potential development. Be aware of them. And if you want to work on them, that's fabulous, but not at the expense of what you're brilliant at. So if you're the swimmer, be the swimmer, but be aware that you might want to go for a jog now and again. But you're not going to now go, oh, I'm not this perfect whole person. I better go jogging, you know, so I can do long <laughs> distance running and I'm just going to leave the swimming pool alone because that's just, it's redundant. You know, you mm. were born with a gift. Mm. Own it. And so many people just want to be samies and want to be perfect at everything. Well, failure is not not being that whole person. It's not acknowledging that you're, you've got incredible visionary gifts mm. that other people don't have. Own it. Rather own your strengths than look and go, oh, I need to develop this aspect of myself. Gigi Alcock is the three-time author of a subject called Casanomics which explores the size and incredible power of the informal trade all around Africa. I asked Gigi to share his views around how you find your niche as an entrepreneur. Have you read the book, The Fortune at the, Bot- at the Bottom of the Pyramid? So, um, so, so the, the funny thing is when I launched my business, Minanawe, in 1996, um, we struggled to get anyone interested in the black market. We struggled. I had uh, three partners. We, we came out of the politics. We were all members of the ANC and came out the struggle. And my friend Sandile and Sbu and, and uh, Jablani decided that we, there was a space for an agency that focused just on the township and, and mass black market. No one was interested. And then two things happened. And kind of about four, three, four years later, we were really struggling and we were thinking about throwing in the towel. And then, the first was that the UCT Unilever Institute wrote a, a report called the Black Diamonds. And overnight, everyone said to phone us and say, hey, we believe you guys can talk to the Black Diamonds. We're like, we've been telling you about this for ages. Like, what's wrong? And then the fortune at the bottom of the pyramid followed literally a year later. And overnight, my business was like suddenly a business yeah. because suddenly, and this is the tragedy is that we need someone to write a book like that. Or I wrote Garcinomics and everyone is like, we never believe there's a township um, economy. Mm-hmm. Is that... You know, um, the reason entrepreneurs are successful, entrepreneurs don't need a business case. They don't need to have read the book. They need to have seen either a lifestyle-orientated thing or an opportunity or qualitative basis. And, um, and, and in Africa, these opportunities are huge. In Nigeria and South Africa, Zambia, the growing economies, Mozambique, et cetera, et cetera. But we have to change the dynamic of, of that. We can't just go and read um, 
you know, once they've written the book, it's too late, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, um, but, and, and part of what I wanted, uh, I wrote about is not to try and do the authoritative, this is what the economy is, but have you considered the opportunities by just changing the way you look at an economy, the way you look at co uh, opportunities? Um, and, and the biggest one is to say, Africa is untouched. Africa has a billion people. Um, something like 70% of our population is under the age of 25. Um, we are a middle class. I mean, s some of the stuff I quote in here, I read in factfulness and I was like underquoting the scale of the African economy. Um, a friend of mine, Faye in Nigeria wrote a book called The Villager and the concept was the concept of, um, Africans are modernizing. They're not westernizing. And this creates opportunity because the concept of westernizing means that all they want is that their coconuts are brown on the outside but white on the inside. The reality is that culturally, and culture is different from tradition, you know, traditions that happen in the past. Culture is a living thing. It's around us all the time. If you look at culture and, and lifestyle, Africans, I talk here about the age of the Afropolitan. You know, they talk about millennials and Afrolennials and whatever. I believe today is the age of the Afropolitan, who is culturally very African, but incredibly modern at the same time, but wants stuff that's culturally relevant to them. The opportunities in Africa are for this Afropolitan, this modern person who's not really westernizing. Yeah, they're taking, in fact, anthropologists talk about fast and slow culture. Slow culture is um, you know, social norms and cultural things we do. Fast culture is the adoption of things like cell phones and these kind of things. But all people have this fast and slow culture clash between them. On the one hand, they have these things that they adapt to slowly, and the other thing, they're fast. So yes, get involved in cell phones and stuff, but you've got to ask yourself, what's the slow culture component? What is the cultural things that are changing slowly, which we should be adapting to and supplying those things, whether those are... I mean, Mondays in Soweto and Mamelodi and Tembisa and whatever is Mohodu Monday. Tripe is a huge thing. Everyone goes to their Porsches and their Range Rovers and they go to mums and they have Mohodu um, Monday. You think, you know, like who's, who's adapting to these kind of things? These are important cultural things to people. How do you become aware of this stuff? Because, I mean, it's, you know, I would imagine that like any economy, it's, it's moving, it's evolving. Um, and so opportunities come and opportunities go. Um, and if you're sitting um, as a young white entrepreneur with only white friends, maybe a couple, you know, black kids yeah. that, you, that you go to school with, you don't really understand because Tabor, your mate from Soweto or from yeah. another township, he's like, you know, there's just an entire other world there. So for young, you know, how does one basically understand, well, where are the opportunities and to keep abreast of it? Because there's no data. Yeah. It's not in the news. This is the first time I'm hearing about it after yeah, yeah. three years of covering, you know, entrepreneurship business in Africa. Um, and so outside of this book, like where does one start? Well, so, I mean, we're in a country where most of the people are black. So for all the black guys, I generally say, stop looking out the window and look in the mirror. Because it's such an important thing is that the opportunities are actually around us. The you know, building industry, you know, black people have a whole different idea of what's cool in a home. 
uh, ceilings are the coolest thing. You know, stop nonsense. You know, stop nonsense is. Uh-uh. It's a fence. It's a, like a, a, a like a fancy garden wall or a fence. It's called stop nonsense. You know, so when they get directions, they say, "Oh, you drive down the road, you'll see the house with stop nonsense." You turn left there, but there's a whole style of building. You know, what are the opportunities for architects, for building people, anyone involved in decor? Um, I did a huge project for Mr. Price home. Ah, Mr. Price, a Pep home. And Pep's um, buyers go to China and they buy all the stuff and they come back, and they put it in Pep stores. And then all the people we spoke to, they say, why would you go to Pep? They say, those curtains are the shittest curtains you've ever seen. We go and we buy the most expensive curtains at Wayland's or whatever it might be. It's like people like, no, no, no. And when we showed the pictures, we took pictures of 2,500 houses around the country and we showed them to these pep buyers. They were like, Yara, do black people like that kind of stuff? You know, they were like, they couldn't <laughs> believe it. Um, and, and, and so it was like simple stuff. Just understand what was important. So, so the first thing I think from a black people's perspective is, 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 and youth particularly is this thing of stop looking out. You're not going to be the Elon Musk, but you could be the Dangote. You know, Dangote is the richest man in Africa. I think the 10th richest man in the planet by understanding the Nigerian and West African economy. There's economies around here that, that, that are, are, are huge and opportunities around that. I think. Going on a broader basis is that, um, is, is, is for me the biggest thing about this is curiosity. This edition of the Map Round Show is brought to you by NetworkSpace.co.za. In fact, our studios are here in building number four at Network Space up in Johannesburg. These guys have made us a huge deal, have really bent over backwards to give us the kind of service that most exciting businesses deserve. If you want more information about Network Space, you can actually come and check out our studio. We are always open to meet new entrepreneurs and business owners from around the country, and you can do that right here at networkspace.coza. In today's fast-paced world of technology, it's not enough to grow. You need to grow your business quickly. When speed is the new currency of marketing for technology businesses, you need to get to market in days, not months. Seven days. That's all it takes to get our tech clients from initial engagement to market. It is time to stop reacting and start dictating with the lightning strike from Digital Kung Fu. It's time to tell your story. Thanks for checking out the Map Round Show, guys. And if you'd like to get the Kung Fu put in your ninja, check out digitalkungfu.co.za. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my Clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.